today on It's Time. God loves me just the way I am, but He loves me too much to leave me that way. Welcome to It's Time, the daily Bible teaching program of Mike Kessler, pastor of the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. Today, we're going verse by verse through the book of Galatians. So, turn there in your Bibles as we join Pastor Mike. Why is that important? Because God forgives. God forgives. Something that really doesn't exist in the world, something unfortunately that doesn't oftentimes exist in the church, but in real Christianity, it's normal life. Why is that? Because we all understand one thing. I'm a sinner saved by grace. And the person that is approaching me, good or bad, is a sinner saved by grace as well. And so because of that, And I go to heaven because we believe that the Father has sent him, not because of my works. Well, as it is here with Peter, where Paul is rebuking him, we find Peter forgiven, and we find his books in the Bible for us. God's forgiveness is the main part of our Christianity. Never forget, God's heart is to forgive us and for us to forgive others one another. What does the Bible say? Jesus, they came to Jesus. They said, Jesus, teach us to pray. As John taught his disciples. And he said, well, when you pray, pray like this. And we know that. But one of the parts in that prayer that I think are so important is when Jesus said that we need to forgive others as we recognize we have been forgiven. That's what causes love to grow. See, that's what changes the old nature. The old nature says, I have a right to be mad at you. I have a right to take that to my grave. I have a right to hate you in every sense of the word. And by me hating you, I'm better than you. I'm not going to let you get away with what you did. I'm going to hold your little toes to the fire. What if God looked at you and me and said, I'm going to hold your little toes to the fire. We'd have some hot feet. Why? Because we all recognize we need God's forgiveness. That's what God does. He forgave us. We recognize we're sinners saved by grace. I look at somebody that that doesn't like me or I don't like them. I go, well, you're a sinner saved by grace too. So you're capable of failing just like I am. And just as God has forgiven me, God's forgiven you if they're in fact a Christian, and I want to reach out to you. See, this is why we as Christians have compassion for unsaved people. In other words, why we were lost, stumbled, bumbling, dumbling around in our sins. Somebody came to us with a message that, hey, I can be forgiven. That's pretty cool. And that you can start over, as David said, his promises are new every morning. You look at the lifestyle of David, a man after God's own heart, yet his life was far from perfect, friends. 
So as I look at this, I realize Paul reaches out to Peter and says, look, you're, you're, you're demonstrating a hypocrisy here. You live one way around one group of people and you live another way around another group of people. When you're with the Gentiles, hey, give me pork and beans. When you're with the Jews, oh, I don't do that. So what does he say? Knowing a man is not justified by works of the law, as we just read. For if I build again, verse 18, excuse me, verse 17, but if I, while seeking to be justified by Christ, that's what we are, we are also found sinners, and that is because I'm trying to do the law and I miss some of the things in the law. Is Christ the minister of sin? No. He forgave us completely. There is no holes in our relationship with God. For if I build again those things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. For I, though, I through the law, died to the law that I might live to God. And I have been crucified with Christ. And this is one of these great verses in the Bible. I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives within me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Remember that. God loves you. You know, we don't oftentimes think that much about that. But you know, God loves you. God loves you. Now, the old saying goes, God loves me just the way I am, but he loves me too much to lead me that way. God begins his restoration in our lives. And always remember that. Look for God's promises. There's new every morning. And what God endeavors to do is cause us to see this life through S-O-N glasses. You see, our, our vision of life is blurred. And when we see through the vision of, of Scripture, it corrects us. It gives us 2020 again, on the, what's real, what isn't real. So much of the things that we labor over and belabor over are, are meaningless. And the things that are more important in life, we miss. That's what the Holy Spirit does inside of us. When we become born again, you ask God to come into your life today, for instance. When you ask God to come into your life, he does that. He forgives you, and now that empowering of the Holy Spirit begins to generate those things of God. And God shows us what we need to do. And just as God spoke to me that day, looking through the screen door, I know what those guys were saying was wrong, but I had no way of defending myself. Why? Because I didn't know God's word. I didn't know, well, and part of it was because I wasn't taught God's word. Oh, I was taught to be good, and I knew the Bible stories and those things, and those are very good. Those are great foundational parts of our Christian experience. But to be able to defend myself, that is what I believe is so important today. Every person should know what they believe and why they believe it. Sometimes just sitting down before you go to bed at night, just read a chapter of the Bible. You say, well, Mike, I don't always understand what I'm reading. Sometimes when I read the Bible, it looks like a phone book. Well, that happens. So pray and say, God, I want you to show me. Now, a lot of times where we start reading the Bible is sometimes kind of difficult. People sometimes start in Genesis, and that's pretty good. Exodus is pretty good, too. Then we start getting into Leviticus. 
And then we get into Deuteronomy. And you begin to find all these requirements of the law. And if you commit this kind of sin, you need this kind of a sacrifice. And you just all of a sudden go, oh, I'll just watch a movie. You see, the best place to start reading, I believe, is in the book of John. Why is that? These things are written that you might believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. That's why I always recommend people when they get saved, start in the book of John. John chapter 3 is a good place to start. Guy comes to Jesus by night, probably too embarrassed to come in the daytime. And he wanted to know all about living forever. Jesus said, marvel not, I say to you, you must be born again. You were born the first time, the water breaks, out comes the baby. Well, you need a spiritual birthday just like that. And so Jesus reckons with him, God so loved the world. He sent his only begotten son. Whosoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. John 3, 17. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him would be saved. God wants to save us. He doesn't want to condemn us. That's for the great judgment. That's somewhere farther away from now. But God right now wants to save people. Now, how does he save us? He paid the debt. You believe in him. You clothe yourself with his righteousness. Deal done. How wonderful is that? So he says, no longer I, but Christ who lives within me. It isn't that I'm going to accept Christ and now God's going to make my dreams and my aspirations and all of my desires happen. I've abandoned that because again, I can live my life selfishly. At the end of my life, I can look at my life and say, I did it my way and there's no reward. I'd rather be about and say, okay, God, I want to do it your way. So before we do something as Christians, all we do is say, Lord, is this what you want me to do? I wouldn't make any decisions without doing that. So that's why the Bible says we need to pray. Not to tell God a bunch of stuff he already knows, but to say, God, I don't want to buy this house. I don't want to move here. I don't want to go there. I don't want to do this unless you want me to do it. Open, close the doors according to your will. You got a big God, opens and closes doors. I've had people say, you know, it's a funny thing. I prayed about it, and it was almost like the day, next day, uh, they called me and told me I was accepted at the college. That's how God works. But if we don't pray, if we don't invite God's direction into our life, we don't have it. Or certainly we won't recognize it. So, God do that. Then he goes on and he says, I do not set aside the grace of God For if righteousness comes through the law, then Jesus died in vain or for no reason. You see, God gave us something that we could never buy. We could never do. That's why I am always troubled when I see people and they mean well, but they say, well, in order to be right, you've got to join our church. I go, really? I thought it was faith in Jesus Christ that caused me to go to heaven. Well, if you want to be right with God, you've got, and they have these whole lists. It's what all the religions, primarily the bigger religions of the world believe. I'm not here dissing on religion. In that, it's what people believe. But the thing is, just because you believe it doesn't make it true. And so it has all this. How is a person justified? Well, by keeping their mantras and reciting their things and doing their... A Christian is justified by your faith in Christ. 
That's it. Jesus plus anything else is wrong. Now, you say, well, Mike, what about baptism? Baptism is an act of obedience. It is not for salvation. The thief on the cross, a good illustration of that. He died. Jesus died. The thief on the cross died. He said, today be with me in paradise. He never, he never uh, was baptized. Does that mean I shouldn't be baptized? No. It's an act of obedience. We do that. Uh, I think sometimes people want and say, okay, God, what do you want me to do for you? We do the first thing. You know, a lot of times I get the question in, uh, in the Bible concerning Moses and how God sought to kill him when he was on his way to uh, see Pharaoh. Uh, and, and they say, well, how could God send him uh, to, to Pharaoh and then try to kill him when he was going there? Well, we find it. There was a covenant made with Abraham, whom Moses was a descendant of, that he was supposed to circumcise his children. Well, he was married to a non-believing woman. And so she probably, when he said, she said, you want to do What? Well, it caused a fight. In fact, the fight was so bad in the Bible, she circumcised her sons and then threw the foreskins at Moses. Now, this is not something that we usually learn in Sunday school. And she screamed at him, you're a bloody husband to me. How would you like to have your marital fights recorded in the Bible? Well, that's what it was. Now, we don't ever really hear much of her ever again. Evidently, he must have got remarried to somebody else, an Ethiopian woman. Because we don't hear anything ever again about Zephora. She just disappears. You're a bloody husband to me. Well, what's weird, though, somebody said, well, why did God seek to kill him? The bottom line is, Moses, if you won't stand up to your own wife concerning a covenant that I made with Abraham... How will you ever be able to stand up to the king of the world, Pharaoh, at that time? So until you get the, the first preliminary things done, don't expect to be empowered in the future things. You, you see, that's the way God works. God gives us baby steps. And as we go in those baby and, and you know, a lot of times in my life, I've had really goofy things happen to me in church, too. And I go, God, if you're God, does this relate with anybody here? God, if you're God, why did you allow this to happen to me? I mean, you're all power. God with big muscles. He can do anything. And if you're God, why did you allow this to happen to me? Does that relate with anybody here? Am I the only one? Both my hands are up. Okay. And you know what? At the time, I didn't know. It went on a little bit longer. I still didn't know. But you know, on one particular case, it was about 25 years before I realized why God had allowed me to go through that most difficult time where I was screaming, God, where are you? God was saying, I'm here all along. You got to learn this lesson. I don't want to learn that lesson. You're going to need it in the days to come. And you know something? Sometimes lessons are hard to learn, aren't they? 
We can either learn by the mistakes of others, we can learn through God's word, or we can make the mistakes ourselves. And I'll tell you something, it's a lot better to learn from God than it is any other way. But I remember that, and I remember, and a smile came to my face, and I said, you know, God, had you not made me go through that, I would not have been prepared for the battle ahead. That's exactly what happened with Moses and Zephora. Why God sought to kill him as he was on his way to Pharaoh. And I believe it's the same way it is with baptism. We're obedient to what God says. God says, okay, we're ready for the next step. That's the way God works. See, God's good. We'll read one more verse, and then we'll have communion. But I like this verse. Chapter 3, verse 1. Oh, foolish Galatians! I don't know if your Bible has the word foolish all in capital letters. There's a reason why. It's double emphasis. Oh, foolish Galatians is what he's saying here. Who has bewitched you that you would not obey the truth before whom eyes Jesus was clearly portrayed among you and crucified? He says, this is the only thing I want to learn from you. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by the hearing of faith? He goes on in this next chapter. We're going to get into this next week. He said, who has fooled you? Now, this is important, friends. This tells me Christians can be fooled into believing that it all of a sudden goes from the grace of God, God giving us salvation, that's what grace is, to us earning it. Now what happens when we earn it? Well, look what I did. I did more than you did. You know, there's all kinds of TV programs like that. Sometimes you'll see that, you know, it's uh, the church wars and, and, and uh, who can do more than somebody else and all these different things. That isn't God. That's the flesh. It's about Jesus. What we do, we do unto him. Let him be the one. Let him be the one you live for. This morning, don't try to ever earn what God has given you. Don't let anybody, even holding a Bible, saying, oh, well, if you're really a Christian, you'll start doing this. I know this. If you're born again, you've asked God's Spirit to come inside of you. That Holy Spirit is in there. And do you know what? You know how you can tell? The things you used to do, you can't do anymore because you're convicted. That's how come, you know. You used to say, well, I can go out and do whatever I want to do. And all of a sudden, you get this yucky, ugly feeling inside. That's the Holy Spirit saying, get out of here. That's how you know. You know, you used to be able to talk about anybody doing it. And suddenly you'd be talking about, yeah, you see what, build it. Oh, yeah, build it. And all of a sudden, you get this yucky. It's like, it's like, uh, it's like. Have you ever drove down the road and smelled a skunk that got hit by a car? All of a sudden, you start, you start feeling the stink. You don't just smell it. You feel it. And all of a sudden, you start feeling You just go, I'm not going to talk anymore. You know, I need to pray for him. I've done that before. I've started saying that. I've followed myself. Uh, and all of a sudden, I go, yeah, you know, I really need to pray for that person. See, that's, that's how God works in our lives. That's what, God's, that's what God's love is. That's what God's grace is. And, and as a Christian, if I mess up, I just say, Lord, forgive me. Peter's book. 
Peter's book is in the Bible. It wasn't that God threw him away and that, oh, you, you did this wrong and you're... For, no, no. That's not the way God works. Forgiveness is the key heart of God. This morning, if you're not a Christian, I'd like to invite you to pray. We're going to have communion. And this is the way we remember Jesus. This is what the Bible said. I, you know what's the weirdest thing? Why did Jesus choose to be remembered by a special dinner rather than a bronze statue in the par or an 8 by 10 glossy in the back of the church? I don't know, but this is what he did. But everything through the Bible is reminiscent of this dinner. The Bible says Jesus said, I am the bread that came down from heaven, fed the children of Israel as they wandered in the wilderness. Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. The Bible tells us that in that last supper, Jesus is in the upper room and he breaks the bread. He said, this is my body which is broken for you and he passes it around. Peter then tells us in the book of Peter, it's for our healing. I need to be healed. Oh, you say, but Mike, I, I, I don't have any cancer. I'm feeling fine. I, I don't have a cold or anything. Well, we're complex beings. There's, our body needs to be healed time to time. Our spirit needs to be healed. And our mind needs to be healed. See, God heals us. He's the rejuvenator. You need that. I need that in my life. Otherwise, I can believe the lies. I can, I can let those things damage me so I can't love that person. I need to be forgiven and I need to be healed. That's what the bread's about. I believe the cup reminds us that we're saved and just like God saved me, he saved others as well. That's what love is. You see, it isn't a cheese ball love on side. I love you. Well, to me, that's kind of shallow. But it's when an individual is talking about somebody and you defend them, that's love. Oh, I don't think it's wrong to walk, put your arm around somebody and tell them you love them. I think that's good. I like that. But it's got to go deeper than that. It isn't, I love you, bro. Do you know what a bum this guy is? Yeah, see, well, that's what happens. God changes those things. Why? Because we see ourselves in the light of who he is. And when I see who I am without Jesus, I go, God, save me. That bread, the healing, your body, your mind, your spirit, your ability to love, your ability to be loved. Those are all things that God does. And the cup reminds us of the cost. That's a representation of Jesus's blood on the cross. This morning, if you've never received Christ, let's pray. And if you want to accept Christ in your life, whether you're here in this room or around the world, just pray this. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. And I invite you into my life today. I want to be forgiven. I want to be righteous. And only you can make me that way. For from this day forward, I commit my life into your hands. Make me the best I can be for you. Write my name in your book of life that I can spend eternity with you. And fill me now and empower me with your Holy Spirit that I'll live every day for you. And God, forgive me when I fall short. 
and help me go each day knowing your promises are new every morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us on It's Time as Pastor Mike teaches verse by verse through the Bible. If you've missed a program or would like to catch up, you can do so by getting it from the It's Time podcast in the iTunes store or by downloading it from the It's Time website at theriverchristianfellowship.com. On behalf of Pastor Mike and the rest of us here at the River Christian Fellowship, thanks for listening and tune in next time for It's Time. It's time.